0: Together here in this space, we're going to be in uh, the book of Genesis, chapter 3. If you have your Bibles with you, I would love for you to turn with me there. Uh, we're going to, to dig into uh, a set of verses that, uh, that the Lord is opening up a grand story of his love through uh, Genesis, chapter 3. Uh, we're going to be reading the end of the chapter, verses 21 through 24. If you don't have your Bibles with you, you can follow along with the words on the screen as we together hear the word of the Lord. The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife Eve and clothed them. And the Lord God said, The man has now become like one of us, knowing good and evil. He must not be allowed to reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. So the Lord God banished him from the garden of Eden to work the ground from which he had been taken after he drove the man out, he placed on the east side of the Garden of Eden cherubim and a flaming sword flashing back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. This is God's word offered to us in its reading and in its hearing. Together we give thanks, to Lord God Almighty. Would you bow with me for a word of prayer? Gracious and loving God, what a gift it is to hear from your word. to know that you have uh, a desire to speak to us through your holy scriptures. So I pray, God, that you would move me aside so that your holy word would be announced, proclaimed, and received. Lord, open our eyes that we would see, our ears that we would hear. Open our minds that come to know and understand your word. Open our hearts that we would feel its power permeate, Every part of us. Now I pray, oh God, that you would open our hands in response to your word, that we would be bearers of love and grace to the world. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Recently, my, my son Aiden, who's a sophomore in high school, uh, came to, to me and what we were just talking about school and how things were going. We started talking about English, sophomore English AP, which is, is, is a bear of a class. I see some sophomores and moms are consoling their children. Uh, it's a time for weeping and gnashing of teeth. Uh, but Aiden was, was reading a book and, and he confessed to me. He said, Dad, I've been reading this book and I had no clue what this book was about. Until I was like 20 something pages in the book. And I was like, Well, that stinks. What'd you do? He said, Well, once I figured out what it was about, I realized that I must have missed so much because I had no clue what was going on. So I had to go back and read it from the beginning. Now Aiden is a better student than I am because I have been three quarters of the way through a book not knowing what it was about, pressed on to the end and trusted in the Lord God Almighty and Cliff Notes to get me through the rest of the way. <laughs> Students, don't don't do your pastor. Be better than your pastor. Okay? Aiden is better than me. He went back and read from the beginning. And I, I get the sense that so often many of us will read through Scripture and, and we start and we get to, to somewhere in the middle of the Torah and we're wondering, what in the heck am I reading? I have no clue what this story is about. And if we would just take time to continue on to see what God is writing all the way through... All the way through Jesus, from Genesis to Revelation, we would be able to grasp that this story, this book, is a book that is about God's love. This is God's love story for humankind. From start to finish, all the way through From creation to new creation, this is God's love story. So whenever we understand that that's what we're reading maybe we should go back to the beginning and we would see some things a little bit differently we would have a fresh perspective on the scripture and understand what God is doing even back at the beginning in creation you see in Genesis 1 we have uh, the the seven-day narrative of God's creation God creating all things from formless void all the way through to humankind being made in god 's very image, all things being created and and not only are they created, but over the course of each of the first six uh, first five days, God creates and says it 's good, and then when God creates humankind, God says it 's very good, so God has created this good, beautiful paradise of creation and there we we enter into the frame and in genesis 2 and then continuing on in chapter 3 we have a, a, a fresh view of the specificity around god's creation of humankind the, the the lens focuses in from this grand view of formless void to the details of every animal and creature. But now in chapter 2 and 3, we have this narrative of the creation of Adam and Eve. Not only uh, are, is humankind image bearers, those that carry the image of God within them, now Adam is created and God literally breathes the spirit of God, his spirit in To Adam. And and then it's found that Adam alone is nothing. Adam needs, amen, brothers, needs, needs Eve. And so God creates Eve, and together they are created, and they are given bounty and wonder, and God is blessing their existence in paradise, in the Garden of Eden. He only gives one restriction he says he says eat you will be sustained dwell with me i'm going to be here with you i'm going to i'm going to walk alongside you i'm going to meet with you face to face god and humankind dwelling together how beautiful that is how we long for that that paradise view from the very beginning and they had it but they gave they were given one restriction There were these two named trees, the tree of life, no restrictions, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That was the the restriction. God said, do not eat of this tree. Do not eat of this tree. You could eat of any other tree. You have all the trees. You know, think of your favorite trees, your favorite fruit, your favorite food. You got them all. But don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And we know how the story continues in chapter 3. Eve is met with a serpent. The serpent then tempts Eve and says, hey, if you eat of that tree, then you're going to be like God. You're going to have God's knowledge, God's wisdom. If you would have that fruit, then you're going to be like God. And Eve chooses to eat and gives it to Adam. And Adam, knowing what he's eating, uh, don't get me wrong there, they both share in This curse, this curse of disobedience, this curse that distances creation from creator, this curse that that fractures all of human history so that prior to that paradise, past that, struggle and strife. And so what, what's the first encounter of this knowledge of good and evil that Adam and Eve have? Now, the scriptures say that, that, that they recognize that they're naked. Now, I'm certain that they had noticed like their, their body parts before. But now, as they recognize their nakedness, they are ashamed. They are covered and filled With shame. You and I know this experience of shame. Maybe we're all too familiar with it. It's the first of the many witnesses to our brokenness, shame. And so, we have been cursed to walk through that and in that and what happens is god comes to to be with them he walks through the through the garden as he has been known to do as they dwell together and god walks through the garden and adam and eve hide they hide because they are ashamed and then we get to this this passage of scripture that we are, that we began with this morning chapter Three, verse 21 through 24 and i want to to show all of you today that in these few verses what might have been otherwise misconceived when understanding what's going on in the meta-narrative of scripture that this is god's grand love story in those few verses god is showing love to us three different times Three different ways God is showing love. The first, the first of these is in verse 21, it says, as soon as the Lord uh, saw that they were ashamed, he knew what had happened. In verse 21, it says, God made garments of skin for Adam and Eve, and he clothed them. Now, what is your first response Whenever your kid disobeys a simple, simple direction. Right? Kids, you could have anything from the fruit drawer, you could have anything from the vegetable drawer. You cannot have the candy corn. You can have anything from the fruit drawer, anything from the vegetable drawer, but you cannot have the candy corn. And then, and then you see your kid who's taken the glass jar off the candy corn jar and they have their hand literally in the candy corn jar. And they have candy corn crumbs down their face because they didn't reach in just once. What's your response? Me, a little frustrated. Maybe a little angry, especially if it's really simple. Seriously, it was simple. You could eat anything except for this one tree. God's first response is to tend to their shame. He literally and figuratively covers their shame. Adam and Eve have experienced what it means to be broken for the very first time. And rather than be vengeful or punitive, God wraps his loving arms around them and covers them with his love and care. He covers their shame and that kind of love is a gift from God for us as well so that when we're confronted with our own brokenness, when we, we receive that, that, that curse of shame, God offers a, a care for us and covers us with his love so that we would be tended to. That's his very first response to that broken, brokenness. The second act of love that we see in these few verses is that, that God... God restricts eternal life. God restricts eternal life. In verse 22, the second half, it says that now that the man knows good and evil and he's received this curse and this wickedness is upon him, he must not, must not be allowed to reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat it and live forever. That seems, at first glance, initially, As penalty. Let's take another view of it. If humankind has received brokenness and curse, shame and despair, sin has entered into us and we now exist in weakness and wickedness. If humankind was to eat of the tree of eternal life and be granted eternity... We would be eternally bound to shame and brokenness. God says, No, you won't live eternally because I couldn't do that to my very good image bearing creation, the one with whom within whom I put my very spirit. I cannot, I cannot uh, uh, impart eternity to them at this point because if I did right here in the garden, they would be eternally damned to destruction. There has to be another way. And this was a confusing uh, element for me of the creation story for, for years. You see, back whenever we have the, the conversation with Eve and the serpent in chapter 3, verses uh, 2 and 3, uh, we hear how the serpent kind of tempts Eve uh, with the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You will be wise, like God it will make you like God. And then uh, Eve uh, articulates back to the serpent what this uh, tree uh, uh, restriction was. And here's what Eve says. Uh, Eve says, we may eat from the trees in the garden, but God did say, you must not eat from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, that being the tree of the knowledge, good and evil, and you must not touch it or you will die. In my, my early years uh, uh, as an adolescent and young adult, even as a young pastor, I, I mistook the meaning of this scripture, I thought that what was taking place here was that God was double-minded and that God, uh, and that God changed his mind here, that God said to Adam and Eve, you will die. But then whenever they actually touched and ate and received this curse, they didn't die. I was wrong. Now, it didn't happen like boom, dead, zap, boom, dead, Right? It happened differently and it happened in God's divine foreknowledge. God knew that if his creation received the curse by eating of the the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and shame and despair and destruction came upon them, then he would have to necessarily restrict eternal life from them so they would die. From that moment on, every human dies. I know that's a surprise. Shock. I just like broke news. It's going to be on the little ticker tape line at the end of the news channel tonight. We all die. We all have to die because of the curse, because at the very beginning in paradise, once we were broken. We had to die so that we wouldn't be cursed for eternity. And then the third element of love that we receive from the Lord comes uh, through God removing temptation from Adam and Eve. So we hear this word banished, and we're like, ooh, penalty, punitive. God just said bang, right? Right? But in verse 23, it says, So the Lord God banished them from the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which they've been taken, and then continues on to say that that, that garden, that tree of life, is guarded by cherubim, God's angels, and there's a, a flame of fire that swings across that entrance. God removed them from the garden, thus removing temptation from them, because God knows that if we can find eternal life, we will. I mean, there are movies about it. Uh, We are constantly working and striving to improve science so that we won't die. We're extending life expectancy year after year after year, pursuing eternity. We are tempted by that pursuit. And yet God removed This temptation, the one thing that could actually accomplish it, the tree of life, removed it from our presence, that temptation and that tree. And how beautiful that is. I mean, I don't know about you, but I've had some temptations in my life that I've prayed over, over and over and over again and said, God, remove this temptation from me. Forgive me of my sin and remove this temptation from me. And sometimes, glory to God, that temptation is removed and is no more in my life by the power of the Spirit and the blood of the Lamb. Praise God, glory to God. And yet other times, I pray for temptation to be removed from me and I continue to struggle, as it says in Scripture, with a thorn in my flesh where temptation perpetuates. But here, in the most critical of moments with the greatest temptation on the line, the temptation to unintentionally damn ourselves to eternal brokenness, shame, and despair, God removes that temptation from our presence. God so loves his creation, humankind, those that bear his image and have received the spirit within them, so loves them that he cares for them and covers them in their shame, that he He removes them from that temptation and he restricts eternal life. How beautiful now we can see the love of God. And this grand love story continues on all the way through from Genesis to Revelation through the the, the Exodus, through the, the Abrahamic covenant uh, that precedes it, uh, through the, the judges, the kings, the prophets, all the way through until we see Jesus. And, and in Jesus, we have a new way made so eternal life can be reintroduced into the frame. You see, whenever we talk about the incarnation, we're talking about God being made flesh. And when God takes on our flesh, he literally is taking on our decay and despair. He's taking on the destruction of humankind so that through his death and resurrection, he defeats it and rises victorious, not for his own sake, but for ours. And whenever he is victorious and we confess his name, we are victorious as well. And we now have the opportunity to call on his name and no longer uh, be, be bound by our shame, bound by decay. We can, as it was once intended, receive eternal life. And that's the testimony of, of Scripture all the way through to Revelation. If you have your Bibles, turn with me. We're going we're to look at two passages that, that attest to this restoration work of paradise for us in Jesus Revelation chapter 2, verse 7, is uh, the word from the angel of the Lord to the church, us, we the church. So since we're the church, this word is for us, and here's what it says. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit of God says to the churches, to the one who is victorious, that's us, not by our own doing, but by the blood of the Lamb. But through Jesus, the one, to the one who is victorious, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. This, this tree of life that we have been restricted from, that has been removed from our presence, is reintroduced to us. And, and, and we now have it as a gift, a gift of eternity only because we no longer persist in our brokenness. Through Jesus, we have been restored and repaired. Glory to God, we have a way made for us. And now eternal life is there for each and every one of us. We're going to turn to the very last chapter of Scripture so we can see how this whole love story of God flows to the very Beautiful conclusion. Chapter 22, verses 1 through 5. Chapter 22, verses 1 through 5. We're going to hear how this all comes to grand conclusion. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, down the middle of the great street of the city, on each side of the river stood the tree of life. All right, pause. I want you to get that image in your mind. This river of life flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb has one tree, the tree of life. And it's sitting on both sides. Did you hear that? There's two sides to the water, but one tree. So now you can start to get a visual of how grand and magnificent this tree, that it bears fruit, fruit enough for all the nations. Did you get that in your, in your mind's eye? So that the, I want you to imagine the roots are just spread out and flowing, and this tree has water flowing underneath it, so that it is simultaneously both set on both sides of the water and sourced central to the water. And it continues on. It bears 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit in every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. No longer will will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city. will dwell with him again and he with us just like it was in paradise. They will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light and they will reign forever and ever. Amen. This is God's grand love story. This is love perfected, beautiful, not, not, that, not that we love perfectly, but that God loves us perfectly, and in him, this love is made available and known. It repairs and restores, and it lasts for eternity if we would but receive it. So that's my invitation. For you, that's the invitation that God gives to me this day. Receive this love. Receive this love that wells up from the tree of life and the water of life, and it fills us to overflowing so that we might love the world as well. It's through the source of God from beginning to end that we find his love. Receive it, I pray, in Jesus' name. Would you pray with me? Gracious God, what a gift it is to hear from your word, to know that that your word reveals who you are. Lord, I thank you that this revelation is one of love, that you love us so tenderly, so beautifully, that you cover us, that, that, that you care for us, you tend to us, we ask, oh God, that you would cover us now, that we would know not shame, despair, or brokenness, but Lord, that we would know your son Jesus, and through knowing him, we would receive his victory and thus inherit eternal life as well.